welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. share, I want to read a passage of scripture and then um, uh, I want to talk about investment before increase. It's a great principle for us to attend to this morning. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 and uh, there it is on the screen and uh, this says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, or some translations say have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a great passage to read, just coming up to Christmas, because that's, you know, we can get lost in the, the uh, repetition of the message, if you like. If you've been a Christian, you don't even have to be a churchy. You're just aware, oh, Christmas, nativity scenes, yeah, Jesus comes, he's a baby in a manger, you know. Okay, I liked one corny church sign I drove past yesterday that said, uh, Christmas, we all need a stable influence, you know, and uh, you like that? Um, and so, you know, we have here not just the message of Christmas of Jesus coming, but here you have a reflection as to why and what he fulfilled and what he went on to do as he grew up and ended up dying on our behalf on the cross for the sins of the whole world. And now he's been returned to heaven. I'll come back to this, but let me tell you how uh, some friends were talking to me lately about their business and they're in the furniture business. They've got a lot of experience in this industry. They've run other businesses, and now they are launching their own furniture business for office-specific furniture. Uh, and they were talking about how challenging it is. Of course, they've got expertise um, and confidence in their abilities, but it's also a little scary because there's a lot of money involved. They've had to invest uh at least a hundred thousand, it may have been some hundreds of thousands of dollars just in samples of the office furniture that they then go around to show to architects and uh, developers who are trying to fit out their new you know building and um, and so they haven 't had a solid wage you know they 're launching this business they 've got all this money invested, and then he 's been working out of this startup place, which was cool, uh, but now they 've got to go to the next stage where they need a showroom. And he said, that's got to be done to build market awareness and all that, even though half the time 
they uh, have the architects, when they say, oh, come to the showroom, see the furniture, the architects will say, well, just bring me a sample. Oh. So then he sort of ends up having to drag samples around the place. But he says, you've got to go to this next level. And of course, for a decent showroom in Sydney, you're talking retail rents. And they're going through all this and it sounded, you know, on one hand, just frightening. Uh, but as I said, on the other hand, they're confident. But they just said, look, it's necessary. Uh, and they said, it's investment before increase. And I love that phrase because I thought, yeah, they, they, they've considered that they can't basically build the business without investing something up front. They've got to have these samples. They've got to have the showroom. And, of course, they've got hope for the business to build. And then I realised, well, that's so true of many other businesses. You know, even a, like a tradie has to buy his tools. I know, you know, a lot of apprentices, Leah's nodding her head, you know, because her husband's, you know, had to buy the tools and they got to get their own tools and it can be really expensive. And then, of course, you've got... Uh, you know, businesses that are starting up often need a capital injection to get them going. Or you get uh, professionals. They invest a lot of time and money these days through university to get their qualification. And then they've got to join the professional body. So they may have to study, sit for an exam and then go on into further training or be accepted onto the, the law council or the chartered accountants mob or whatever the professional body is. And you've got... Uh, you know, developments, you, you see people make money out of great big buildings. Well, of course, they took a big risk. They invested to buy the land. They probably invested with a lot of borrowed money to pay the builders. And then there might be cracks and, uh, you know, but hopefully they make the, the money. But it was only because of the investment at the beginning. And then it made me realise this is such a true principle for every part of our life. We all want increase. We all want to be blessed. We all want to sort of... Uh, see results and returns and rewards, but are we prepared to make an investment up front? Are we willing to put in the hard yards in rugby terminology to get up the field? Are we, you know, like John Maxwell says, uh, you can, what does he say? You can play now, but you'll pay later. Or are you willing to pay now so that you can play later? And so we should ask ourselves couple of questions. Number one, am I willing to give in order to grow or serve and sacrifice, maybe even suffer in order to become a success the right way rather than just expect short-term gain? Um, and the question also we should ask ourselves is where am I sowing? Because uh, a lot of people are investing time, energy into their uh, career or their network of friends or their hobbies passionately. <laughs> I meet people, they're so passionate about their hobby. They make such sacrifice. They're so committed. They're so keen and they, they throw much in. And that's cool, you know, uh, or they're planning the next holiday. We have a lot of energy and time and money invested in that. That's all good. Nothing wrong with all that. But here's the kicker. If you're not careful, you'll have no time and energy left to invest in God. And I've met a lot of people who say, yeah, I feel like God's like a long way away. And they may have prayed a prayer and made a commitment of their life to Christ. But I don't know, I just don't feel the passion. And I, I just, God, where is God? I don't feel. And sometimes it's just because we are not investing our time, our heart, because we've got it all stitched up. All our time is already, we're burned out because we're so committed to building the business or working so hard. There's no 
life balance and then you've got other passions like hobbies, like I said, and God gets no room, no time, no energy, no effort, no investment of our life. And so I found myself thinking, you know, we, we really want to make sure that we've got time to invest in the ways of God, the house of God, the, the direction of God, and in, in the relationship of God himself. He offers us not just a, a doctrine, a creed, a, a sort of a, a set of rules to subscribe to as you run your own life. He offers us a relationship that we can invest in. And just like any relationship, you know, I need to invest into my relationship with Michael Samuel a little more because he's up here guessing that I have anger management issues or I'm not very generous or, you know, it's just, unfortunately, that's a day. It's because, Frosty, you weren't, you must have moved. You weren't there. I, he picked on me. He's like, oh, you know, we need to grow in somewhere. It's like, oh, you know, Pastor Chris maybe has anger management. I'm like, bad PR, man, even if it's true, you know, like. I'll get you later. Oh, no, that would be kind of not the right thing to do. Punch you out in the courtyard. No, okay. All right. Um, but Frosty will do it for me. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitman. I mean, Deacon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm going to sit. Next time Michael does communion, I'm going to hide up the back there somewhere. Um, sorry, I'm just joking. Uh, but... Um, you know, we have relationships and you spend time with people, you get to know them really well. Of course, God offers us that, yeah? A real relationship. And, I, and I'm not talking, we're not talking about investing in our relationship with God. I'm not talking about earning our salvation, yeah? We live by grace. God provides us freely through Jesus, incredible, graciously given forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. But what do we do with that life? Then that's up to us. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to heaven. Great. Got my ticket. It's an e-ticket these days. Yeah, put it in the back. I don't even have, I can put, I can have it on my wallet, on my phone. I've got my ticket to heaven. It's not even a paper ticket. You know, you know what I'm saying? We can just have a ticket to heaven and then just run ahead and plan and organize everything ourselves. But we will do best, live our higher life, better life, if we tap into what God has for us, and invest in Him. And that's just the theme that I wanted to think through this morning. Because, um, you know, the Bible tells me that God's ways are higher than my ways, that His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So that makes me think, well, I really have a choice because I can plan, we can all plan, you can all organise, we're all capable. I can just, you can organise your own life and I can do a pretty good job of it. If you can't organise your life, I'll help you. You know, others will help. Well, you know, I can help you plan a good holiday and I hope you get a good career and uh, we might even, you know, hook you up with someone if you're single and, and uh, we've seen a few gorgeous couples meet in the house of God. That's awesome. But ultimately, the best life we live is not just me or you nutting it out by myself or by ourselves, but it's investing again in a relationship with God where we are we are caught up in his higher ways, where we catch a hold of his higher thinking. We, 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 we breathe heaven's air because we're spending time with him and we're, we're seated at the right hand of Christ and we're prayerful and we're in his presence. And we're, can you hear what I'm saying? It's uh, something that is available for us. It's not forced on us. But in order to get there, we require a life of humility, a, life, a lifestyle, an attitude, just like what we read. Look at that passage again. In Philippians 2, this is what Jesus did and this is what he modelled for us. It says, don't do everything out of selfish ambition 
or vain conceit. In other words, don't just try and do life all by yourself for yourself, but be humble. Consider others better than yourself. I love that because even if you know deep down they're not really better than me, okay, just consider them that way. You know, it's just a good habit. Uh, don't just look to your own interests. Oh, really? I've got to think of others? Oh, wow. Yeah, well, that really touches at the heart of humility. And then it says, look, have the same attitude or the same mindset as Christ Jesus did in relationship with other people. And then it goes on again, as it said, he was, he's God, he's in heaven, but he came to earth, he humbled himself, he took on human skin and said, I will live with these people and be one of them. And then, and of course, now we're told if, you know, uh, Jesus, of course, is, is, is highly honoured and, and exalted. Um, and we're told to have the same attitude. Now, of course, The result doesn't mean that we're going to have people bowing down to us like Jesus does. It's just the principle is that we will find our right place in life, that Jesus was returned to where he belongs and we will be discovering where and how we fit in in life. And so we can, you know, rather than just fight for my place or position or prominence in the world I can humble myself and trust God he will lead me to the best place the best position that he's got for me in life yeah and so we need to be humble I love this definition Andrew Murray the great uh, Christian author he defined humility this way it's the displacement of self by the enthronement of God where God is all and self is nothing and I thought well that's really cool except I have a problem. I dare say you have a problem too. This thing of self. Because my self doesn't want to be nothing. God is all. Self is nothing. Mm. Because there's a battle that goes on. Because part of me says, yes, I want to lay it all down. I go to the foot of the cross and I just give it all to the Lord and die to myself. And I'm yeah. But then there's another part of me. And Michael was talking about this over communion the old self and the new self and we've got to continually be renewed and continually crucify the old self because the old self has a way of kind of <laughs> we, we we kill it we bury it and then it's like one of those b-grade zombie movies or something like the old self you know has a way of coming back from the dead and, and, and haunting our good self. And, and there's a struggle because we feel, yes, God, I want to serve you. And wow, it's awesome. And you have a high moment in worship or you're encouraged on a Sunday. And yeah. And then on Monday, the other self says, time out, guys. No, 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 no. Don't get too carried away. We're not going down that track. That's just religious extremist, straight, crazy stuff. You're a zealot, but back right off. We've got other people to look after. That's me and my own. And, you know, this other self is a selfish kind of part of us. And so we have this, this constant fighting and challenge. And there's always two voices inside us. And one says, in any situation, what's in it for me? The other voice says, yeah, it's better to give than receive. Be kind. Come on. What would Jesus do? WWJ, you know. And the other voice counters that with, no way. What's good for me? WWG, you know, whatever that spells it. And so, um, and you're in good company if you're not, if you're you're thinking this resonates because even the great Paul the Apostle had this same problem. Look at Romans chapter 7. And in verse 19, he says, 
I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So he's, he's identifying himself with the new man. He's saying, look, my, I am saved. I'm redeemed. I'm, I, I, I am a, a, a Christ one. A, a small, Christian means little Christ. I'm, a, I'm called to live the Christian life. But there is this guy inside that it's not really me, but it's sin living in me. So it is me. It's still there. It's And he's got this tension. So look at verse 20. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Oh, so you're in good company. Like I said, if you you are honest, you would admit, yeah, I find that this is a bit of a struggle too. Of course, he goes on to talk about the freedom and the forgiveness that he's got in Christ, and we can too, by faith. But he's still got this issue, and so do we, where we have to be constantly aware of this battle. And in everyday life, you can hear these two voices if you tune in. You can go into almost any situation and have two counter-opposing ways of thinking or acting. So you go to catch up with a friend, for example, or you meet someone new, and immediately part of you just wants to offload. You just want to, oh, it's part, you just want to tell your stories and, and start launching into something that you want their response from and you want them to listen, tune into you. But there's another voice that says, hang on, just take five, hold it. What about them? Why don't you ask them a question? What are they going through? How, you know, maybe you want to hear their story or learn from them. And so there's two different angles. And of course, good conversation has, you know, a little bit of both. But sometimes our our natural instinct is just to override the kind side, the, the, the still small voice that's considering others. And so uh, what about in, in business meetings? You might have an important meeting you're going into in your job, your career, your organisation or business, and you can go in thinking, what's in it for me? What am I getting out of this? How am I going to improve my situation? Or conversely, there's another calling and voice inside that says but what about the the others how can I contribute what you know how can I be a a benefit to this organization or business what about with my time I I can easily have every bit of my day organized stitched up planned just for myself and my own but like Jesus perhaps I should have some space some room because he allowed himself to get interrupted Aren't you glad? There were times he was moved with compassion for multitudes. He could easily have said, guys, do you not know who you're talking to? Forget it. I am a very busy saviour. I have got appointments and I've, you know, but he just was like, oh, okay. He was going one way, people crying out here, there. He had space and flexibility and we should do the same. And then, of course, money. Boy, you can, have, you can have all your money organised. In fact, worse, you can have all the money spent before you, you've even got it <laughs> and more. <laughs> Called, and the result of that is, of course, debt. Um, but again, rather than just having plans for myself with my money, maybe I can just see myself as a steward, a manager, someone who realises it's ultimately God's and this is a, a different mindset. And then... I can be generous to him and get his wisdom to help me plan my finances and I'm focused not just on what I can have but what I can give. And so 
our challenge in every part of our life is to consider the Lord and and not just ourselves, to seek his glory and not just our own. Um, I, I want to read just one more verse in Romans, again, from Paul, because we talk about bringing glory to God. That's our main vision as a church. And he says this, from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That would be a great founding scripture for a church plant. You know, that, that's, that's how we roll. That's our ultimate goal. It's not about our style of music or the way we want to uh, present the gospel in a cultural kind of way. Or No, it's all about the glory of God. It's all for him, right? And listen to what Charles Spurgeon said when he was reflecting on that very verse. He said, this should be the single desire of the Christian. All other wishes must be subservient to this one. The Christian may wish for prosperity in his business, but only so far as it may help him to give God glory. He may desire to attain more gifts and more graces, but it should only be that to him may be the glory forever. You are not acting as you ought to do when you are not, sorry, you are not acting as you ought to do when you are moved by any other motive than a single eye to your Lord's glory. Set nothing ever, sorry, let nothing ever set your heart beating so mightily as to love him. Let this ambition fire your soul. Be this the foundation of every enterprise upon which you enter and this your sustaining motive whenever your zeal would grow chill. Make God your only object. I love that. Listen to this again. You're not acting as you ought to do when you are moved by any other motive than a single eye to your Lord's glory. It's quite challenging, isn't it? To think, wow, am I really seeking God's glory in this? But I like the fact that he says it's good to prosper. In fact, he says something about prosperity for business people. Um, He says that's good, but only if the Lord gets the the glory. I love to read biographies and and I love to read about people who have been successful on the basis of giving God the glory. And, you know, people who have found their talent in, well, for example, in building great businesses, but knowing that the Lord is really the one who's... getting the glory and deserving of it. And uh, I read the other day about J.C. Penney. Uh, now, if you've been to America, you will have known that the department store that uh, carries his name is a multi-billion dollar business with outlets all over America. Um, and it started back in the 20th century. Um, John, I've forgotten his first name, but I know his second name was Cash. True story. Cash. He was built for business, design. But, you know, just have the name right there. But some J. Cash Penny started out, uh, he invested in a partnership that owned two stores in uh, the early part of the 20th century. By 1907, the partnership had exploded to have three stores. And, uh, and then he bought them out. So he became the proud owner of three stores. But then the business grew. Get this. By 1912, he had gone to 37 stores. By 1920, he had 120 stores around America. By 1920, he had 1,400 different department stores all over the States. However, 1929 might ring a bell because that was the year the Great Depression hit. And so he was left in complete financial ruin. 
The uh, business barely survived, but the setback took incredible toll on his health. He was depressed. He became suicidal. And so he checked himself into a sanitarium, a recovery kind of hospital. And, um, and there, one morning, he wrote about this later. He's wandering down the um, corridor and he hears some singing. And there's a chapel service going on with the hospital staff. And he remembers, he recognised the song they sang that he had remembered from being a little kid in Sunday school. And they were singing a hymn called, God Will Take Care of You. And he said, over the next few hours, he cried out to God and he was born again. And so this self-made entrepreneurial success story now had realised that he really needed the Lord, needed to give him all the glory. And he wrote later, he said this, at that time, something happened to me which I cannot explain. It was a life-changing miracle and I've been a different person ever since. I felt I was passing out of darkness into light. I saw God in his glory and planned to be baptised and to join a church. So then into the 1930s, his financial situation turned around. Uh, He built the business back up again. But this time, he had a better perspective on who was getting the glory. And uh, he gave generously to charities of all kinds. He eventually got committed to the local church. And then he lived until the ripe old age of 95 and went off into glory. And I love to read stories like that because uh, plenty of people have made a lot of money, been successful, but they haven't necessarily gone off into the Lord's presence at the end. And what, what did it all account for? What's, what's the purpose? Vanity and vanity. It's a, whereas someone like this humbled himself, rejigged his entire motivation for living, caught a hold of God's plans and was still successful, but for God's glory. And that attitude of humility and recognition that God is ultimately the one that matters, that's the same attitude that we're called to have. And in fact, it's what Jesus had. You know, Jesus is here on earth and he said this, I've come from heaven not to do my will, but that of the Father. He said, I do nothing on my own. He also said, I'm not seeking glory for myself. Notice, he doesn't, notice how he's referring to himself as nothing and not. Notice also those three statements all come from the Gospel of John. And John's the disciple that knew Jesus better than anyone. So he was very close to the heart and motivation behind what Jesus was doing. And then years later, John wrote the letter, First John. And look at this. this is, I, I think we'll, uh, we'll finish with this. Look at this uh, in First John. There it is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. So this is really rubber hitting the road kind of living, isn't it? It's not just, oh, yeah, I love and I go to church and people, I pray for them. It's like, yeah, well, no, 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 we, we, we are really reaching out. We are really putting people first. We're really using action, not just words. And then look at verse 19. This is love. Sorry, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Hear that? This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. So it's a real win-win sacrificial love, selfless love, blesses people that we're kind to, 
but it blesses us. It gives us rest in God's presence. We sleep well at night, don't we, when we've done a, a good deed, when you've blessed someone. You, it's, what do they say? The, the softest pillow is a clean conscience, a clear conscience. It's a, you're not being deceitful or stealing from someone. Keelan was at the shops yesterday. He said he saw these two people randomly stealing. One pulled up in a car said it was all happening. They pulled up in a car while the other one ran out of the shop with some pram or baby capsule and jumped over the fence to get in the car. And this guy ran to stop them, saying, stop, they're stealing, steal. The girl turned around, punched the guy in the face, jumped in the car. It, you know, it was all on. The guy turns around to Keelan and his mates, help me. And they're all like frozen with fear, going, ah, well, ah, yeah, yeah, you know. And, uh, and they drive off. And the girls got away with the, the stolen pram or baby capsule or something. And I, just making sure Keelan understood the moral lesson of the tale, said, well, how would they feel, you know, with their stolen property? They're not going to sleep well. It's going to, you know, you, you reap what you sow. That's terrible. That is not the way to live life, you know. Imagine having something here, sweetie, here's your, you know, here's your stolen capsule. Yikes. It's just, you know. So where are we? The, 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 our heart's at rest in his presence when we live with a sacrificial, humble, investing kind of lifestyle. And, um, and so let me come to a close by saying this. How do we invest in God? What have I got? Well, you've probably heard it said before, but we've all got three resources. They might vary in specifics for each one but the principles are the same we've all got time talent and treasure we've all got the opportunity to devote some time to the lord in prayer in reading the bible in serving him which gets to the second one the talent because we've all got gifts that can be used for his glory to serve him and not just what we'd like to do but what we really are good at you know some of us would love to sing and lead worship and 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 yet we just might not have the talent so you lead worship in your shower and have a great service you know as i do you can you know but but when we're good at something that if you if you can sing and play an instrument away you go you're in the band get into it but we've all got talent and it's all there so that we can serve god in fact i read this i know i keep saying this is the last scripture but it's scriptural because if you read Philippians, Paul says finally about two chapters before he ends that <laughs> book. Okay, but this is, I don't think they've got it, but this is, I just read it this morning and earlier this week in Revelation chapter 5. It says we're all called to be kings and priests. It's amazing, isn't it? But the very next part of that says so that we can serve God. So it's not like, yeah, oh, well, I'm a king and priest in the kingdom. It's like, yeah, hang on, hang on. Read the rest. Oh, okay. So it's about serving him with our talents and then our treasure. Of course, we've all got seed. And, uh, you know, no offence to the birds or the bird watchers. And my chief bird watching wife is not here, so she can't get offended about this. But birds are really dumb. Uh, they've got tiny brains and, oh, all right, they're not that dumb. It's all relative. All right, let me finish my point. Birds are relatively dumb because they eat their seed and they're not as clever as people further up the food, food chain like farmers who know that if they plant the seed, they'll have a lot more. They'll get a better harvest. And so don't be like a bird. I have a, what do they say? Don't be a bird brain, you know, but be brainy, bold and brave and sow your seed 
and be generous with your treasure. And that's another way we can invest in God. Uh, and so as we reflect on the year that's been, we come to the year that's coming. Uh, it's a really good time to consider our lives before God and to give God that rightful place in our lives so that we set goals and make plans, not just by ourselves, for ourselves, but with God's help and for His glory. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.